Well, good morning, church. Hello, is anybody out there? Good morning, church. Great. Um, as I said the last time, if you're silent while I share, I kind of think you don't understand what I'm saying. So I'll have to repeat what I'm saying, and it might end up being quite long. So, you know, if you get what I'm saying, then just say amen or raise your hand and wave so that I know that you're still with me, okay? So for all those that are sleeping, if you just wave your hand right now. Thank you. I see those hands. You can put them down. Okay, so we'd like to welcome um, those that are listening on the internet. I promised Darren and Tina that I'd make a special mention of them this morning while I was sharing. So we welcome them as well. This morning we want to look at what does it take to become a warrior or a champion of God. The dictionary describes a warrior as a man engaged or experienced in war or military life, a soldier or a champion. And I was looking to this, thinking through the word, who could we use as, as an example for this? And I thought we'll have a look at David. The Bible describes David in Acts chapter 13 verse 22. And God says, David, the son of Jesse is a man after my own heart. For he will do everything I want him to. Imagine that description. The creator of the universe saying, Lee, that's a man after my own heart. Aiden, a man after my own heart. Joe, a woman after my own heart. 1 Samuel 16 verse 18 says, He is brave and strong and he has good judgment. He is fine looking and the Lord is with him. Now, I'm not quite sure about the fine looking because some of us may not fit into that category. Um, but, you know, when I look in the mirror, I think to myself, God knew what he was doing when he said, let us make man in our image. So God never makes a mistake. He knows exactly what you look like because that's the way he designed you. Okay, so let's look at a few lessons that we can learn from, from David. And we're going to read this morning from 1 Samuel, if you've got your Bible, 1 Samuel chapter 17. Um, and I'm going to jump through a few scriptures because really it's, it's the, more or less the whole chapter that gives the context. But if I can just maybe put this in context first, um, in the first few verses you have the Philistines on one side and you have the children of Israel on the other side. And every day they come out and they shout at each other, ready for battle, both tribes ready for war, and shout at each other from each side. But during or amidst the shouting... Out walks Goliath, the giant or the champion of the Philistines. Now I'm going to ask one of these two gentlemen, what is your height? 6'2 or 6'3. So if you can stand for a minute, both of you, okay? Now there's very few gentlemen, and even if I stand here, that are kind of 6'2 or 6'3. Thank you. Okay. Goliath, actually, if I can ask you, could you just stand on the chair for a minute? Okay, I'm not quite sure what height that would put him at, but Goliath was nine foot seven five, okay, which is way over where this gentleman is standing, all right, and at that height, I come at about his waist, but Goliath was nine foot seven five or three meters high, just over three meters high, and Goliath steps out, and this is what Goliath shouts. He stood and he shouted, verse eight, across the, to the Israelites. Do you need a whole army to settle this? Choose someone to fight for you, and I will represent the Philistines. We will settle this dispute in single combat. 
if your man is able to kill me, then we will be your slaves. But if I will kill him, you will be our slaves. And I defy the armies of Israel. Send me a man who will fight me. And when the Israelites and Saul heard this, they were terrified and deeply shaken. Now, if you could imagine for a moment one of these gentlemen in a boxing ring, and I come into the boxing ring, all he needs to do is hold my head, and there's no way I would reach him. As much as I would punch, I wouldn't get any near, anywhere near him because of the length of his arms. But here is Goliath, the, the champion of the Philistines, challenging the Israelites. Send one man to fight me. And nobody was prepared. One man standing out and saying, come on. And the whole of the Israelite army trembles and is afraid. So we go a little further down. David wasn't there at the time. David was at home. Okay, so this is just by the way. You realize that you cannot be a champion or a warrior sitting at home. You have to be at the battlefront. You have to be at the front, at the forefront of what is happening. If you're sitting at home, there's no way you're going to be established as a warrior. That's not one of my points, but I just thought I'd let you think about that for a moment. So David's father says to, to David, go to your brothers, go out there and take them this food. And David comes and we're going to jump down quickly now to verse um, 23 or 22. David left his things with the keeper of supplies and he hurried out to the ranks to greet his brothers. As he was talking with them, he saw Goliath, the champion from Goth, come out from the Philistines' rank, shouting his challenge to the army of Israel, which was the challenge we read earlier. Send one man to come and fight me. And as soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen the giant, the men were asking? He comes out each day to, to challenge Israel. And have you heard about the huge reward the king is offering to anyone that can kill him? The king will give him one of his daughters for a wife, and the whole family will be exempted from paying tax. David talked with some others standing there to verify the report. What will a man get for killing this Philistine and putting an end to the abuse of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway? That he is allowed, look what it says. Who is this pagan? That he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God. And David received the same reply as before. What you have heard is true. This is the reward for killing the giant. David's brother hears this and he gets upset with David and he says, you're supposed to be looking after the sheep. What are you doing here? If we skip a little further, the scripture goes on and then it says that the, the, the question got to the king. And when the king called David, look at David's reply. I don't know if he was listening to Stevie Wonder when he came to the king, but he said to him, don't you worry about him, king. Ah, no, yeah. Don't you worry about him, king. This is what David, David wasn't bothered. David comes and he says, don't you worry about it. Don't you worry about a thing. David told him, I will go and fight this Philistine. Don't be ridiculous, Saul says. There is no way you can go against this Philistine. You are only a boy. And he has been in the army since he was a boy. But David persisted. I've been taking care of my father's sheep. When the lion and the bear came, I killed them. And the Lord was with me, and the, and the Lord will be with me, he continues to tell him. So I'll pray, see the rest. Saul says to him, right, David, here we go. Put on my armor and go out and fight. David does this, and David says, hang on, man, I can't go with this armor. It's too big for me. It doesn't fit me. So David leaves it. He takes his sling and his, 
his stone and he picks up five stones from the side of the river and he goes out and he challenges um, Goliath and will come through it. So this is the setting at the moment. David goes and challenges Goliath, kills Goliath. If I can read just as David comes, then Goliath saw David coming and Goliath walked out towards David with reading from verse 41. Goliath walked out towards David with his shield bearer ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy-faced boy. Am I a dog, he roared at David, that you come to me with a stick? And he cursed David by the names of his God. Come over here, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals, Goliath yelled. Look what David says in reply to this. This was the giant that made the whole army of Israel tremble and shake. But look at David's reply. David shouted in reply, You come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord Almighty. The God of the armies of Israel will conquer you, and I will kill you, and I will cut off your head. Isn't that funny? David's going with a sling and a stick, and he says, I'll kill you, and I'll cut off your head. And then I will give your bodies the bodies of your men and bir- to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there's a God in Israel, and everyone will know that the Lord does not need weapons to rescue his people. It is his battle, not ours. The Lord will give you to us. As Goliath moved closer to attack, David began to backpedal. David began to walk back. Is that what your Bible says? No? You look lost. Have any of you heard the story? Yeah? What does the Bible say? The Bible says that as Goliath moved closer, David quickly ran out to meet him. Reaching into his shepherd's bag and taking out a stone, he hurled it from his sling and he hit the Philistine on the forehead. And the stone sank in and Goliath stumbled and he fell down to the ground. David triumphed over the Philistine giant with the stone and a sling. And since he had no sword... He ran over. At this time, Goliath wasn't dead. Goliath was just on the ground. But David ran over. He took out Goliath's sword from the shield, from its sheath. He used it to kill the giant and cut off his head. Now, would you say that that represented the description we said earlier of David? A brave and a strong man. And the Lord was with him. Right? Okay. So let's learn a few lessons from David. If we were to look and ask David, what was the first thing that David did? When Goliath came out, David asked everybody, who is that? First thing you need to do is, as a warrior, you need to realize that you are at war and that you have an enemy. And that you need to know who your enemy is. David established that, who is he? Who does he think he is? Look at verse 23 to verse 27. David left his thing, um, um, sorry. As he talked with them, he saw Goliath, the champion of Goth, come out of the Philistines' ranks, shouting his challenge to the army. And as soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run with fright. Have you seen the giant? He comes out every day to challenge Israel. And look what David says. Um, David talked with some others there standing, and he said, what will a man get for, for killing this Philistine? And who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of God? So David was establishing who his enemy was. Look at what the Bible says in 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 5, if you read from verse 7, it says, 
Give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares about what happens to you. Be careful. Be watchful. Be vigilant. Watch out for the attacks of the devil, your great enemy. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for a victim that he may devour. The Bible says he is going around like a roaring lion. You have an enemy, he's the devil, and he goes around like a roaring lion looking for those that he may devour. Remember what David said in verse 26? Who is this pagan that he is allowed to defy the armies of Israel of the, of the living God? If the Israelites didn't allow him, he couldn't do that. The only time the enemy, the Bible says, he's looking for whom he may devour. The only time he can devour him is if you allow him to devour you. Luke chapter 10, Jesus, verse 19 says, Jesus says, I have given you all the power or all authority over, over the enemy. It has been given to you. So you need to recognize that you have enemy. You need to know that you are at war. But you can't become complacent. Don't allow the enemy to run ramshot over your life. Don't allow him to do as he pleases in your life. He can only do that when you allow him to do that. Firstly, realize that you have an enemy and that you are at war. You need to be vigilant and awake. We can't just be, oh, well, I've given my heart to the Lord and now I'll just sit back and wait for, till I die and for the Lord to come and I'll be in heaven. No, you're at war. You have an enemy. Be aware of it. Be vigilant. The second point, warriors are not warriors. Did you get that? No. Warriors, men of war, are not warriors. W-O-R-R-I-E-R-S. They are not warriors. Okay? If you look at the rest of the army as, Paul, as Goliath came out and as Goliath challenged them in verse 24, the Bible says as soon as they saw him, they began to run in fear and with fright. What does Philippians 4 verse 16 say? Don't worry about a thing. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests known unto God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding, it will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Look what 1 Peter 5 says. Verse um, 7, give all of your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you and what happens to you. You don't need to worry about it. You know, fear is the opposition of faith. Fear kills faith. It, it, is, it is an equal and opposite force. When you have faith, there's no room for fear. But when you give fear ground, it diminishes your faith. What did, Peter, what did Jesus say? If you look at Mark chapter 8, verse 25, and if you, sorry, um, Matthew chapter 8, verse 25, and Mark chapter 4, verse 40, when Jesus was in the boat with the, with the disciples and the storm came, they came running to him while he was sleeping and saying, Master, Master, don't you care that we're dying? And Jesus said to them, why are you so afraid? Oh, he of little faith. In Mark, it says to them, why are you afraid? Do you still not have faith in me? Fear destroys faith. It's like if you're fearing, it's saying I have faith in something greater than God because I'm afraid. And the Bible says, worry about nothing. 
Don't allow fear and anxiety to get into your life. Give it over to the Lord. It becomes his problem. Don't say, Lord, I need you to sort this out for me. Oh, God, help me. And then when you get up, you pick it up and you say, oh, what am I going to do with this problem? How am I going to walk through this problem? Don't worry about it. Warriors are not warriors. Okay? You don't need to worry. Give it to the Lord. The next thing is, don't listen to discouragement. Look at verse 28 of 1 Samuel. When David was asking about this enemy that's been giving these guys a hard time for 40 days, his eldest brother says to him, when David's oldest brother Eliab heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What about those few sheep that you're supposed to be looking about, looking at? His own family. You will get voices of discouragement. You'll never be able to make it. You're not going to do it. Verse 33. When, when David went to Saul and said, don't worry about him, king, I'll sort him out. Saul says, don't be ridiculous. You're just a boy. He's been at war since he was a boy. Remember the things that God has done. Don't listen to the voice of discouragement. Remember what he has done for you and begin to testify about it. Why? Because the Bible says they overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. As you begin to testify, this is how God brought me through that situation. As you remind yourself about these things, your faith begins to grow. Hey, you know what? If God could take me through then, well, he'll take me through this one. Doesn't seem worry how big it is. Remember what the children of Israel used to do. They did exactly this. They would come through. God delivered them out of um, Egypt, and he delivered them with the plagues. They get to the Red Sea, and they forget already. We've just been delivered out of Israel, and they murmur. And then God opens the Red Sea, and they go through the Red Sea, and they come, and there's no water. They forget that this God that they serve opened the Red Sea for them. And now they say, what are we going to do? We're going to die. And so God makes a rock bring out water. And then they're hungry and they forget this and God gives them manna from heaven. Each time they forgot. So what did they end up doing? They began to make altars each time. And the Bible says, make an altar so that when you look back, your children will remember. And when your children say, what was that for? Dad, what was that about? That was when our God delivered us from that situation. And when the next one comes, that is your, your tribute. or It's a, a, a testimony of your faith. Our God did that, and our God did that, and our God did this. And as you begin to remember that, as you begin to remind yourself, your faith begins to grow within you. You will get voices of discouragement, but don't listen to them. Begin to testify about what your God has done. What was David's attitude to all this? Look at verse 34. A simple sentence, but David persisted. The king said, it's ridiculous. David said, don't worry about it, king. He said, you're a boy. Don't worry about it, king. He's been a man of war since he... Don't worry about it, king. But David persisted. In other words, what is it saying? Keep on keeping on. Don't give up. Keep on keeping on. The Bible says in James chapter 15, verse 16, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. If you look up the dictionary of the, in the, the meaning of the word fervent in the dictionary, it means zealous. It means intense. 
It's the effectual, intense, the effectual, zealous prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Have you seen somebody that is enthusiastic and zealous for something? They really want to do it. You know, when you, when you were kids, you'd get somebody and they'd be watching the guys playing football or soccer and they'd be, oh, come on, give me a game, please. Let me just get on. No, come on, give me a game. Give me a chance. And they might not be really good. They might be quite bad. And the coach is just keeping them on the line, but they're like, coach, let me go. I can do it. He's messed up. Let me go. And the coach gets them on. This guy is all over the field. He runs everywhere because he's zealous. It doesn't matter that he is hopeless. He is zealous. He wants to be out there. That's what we need to be like. We need to be persistent. We need to be zealous. Look at what Luke says. Turn with me quickly to Luke chapter 15. Sorry, Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11 verse 5 says, Then Jesus, um, then teaching them more about prayer, Jesus used this illustration. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. And you would say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit. I have nothing for him to eat. He would call out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night and we are all in bed. I can't help you at this time. But I tell you this, though he won't do it just because you're a friend, if you keep on knocking long enough, he will get up and he will give you what you want so that his reputation won't be damaged. I tell you this, keep on asking and he will, it will be given what you ask for. Keep on looking and you will find it. Keep on knocking and the door will be open for everyone who asks receives and everyone who seeks finds. And the door is open to everyone who knocks. Keep on keeping on. Keep on looking. Keep on knocking. In other words, keep on keeping on. Your prayers will be answered. You may be on the verge of a, verge of a breakthrough, but because you give up, you don't receive the answer that you're looking for. You know, the Bible says of Daniel, when Daniel prayed, the even before he prayed, God had dispatched the answer. But the prince of Persia came and hindered the answer from being received. But because he continued, because he kept on, his answer came through. Let's recap quickly. You are at war. You have an enemy. You cannot be complacent. You're a warrior. You're not a warrior. Stop worrying. Don't listen to discouragement. Testify about what your God has done. Be persistent. Keep on keeping on. Two more points. Number five. You cannot fight in another man's armor. And you cannot use weapons that you are not trained in. Now I'm going to ask Lee for a minute. Can you borrow me your jacket quickly? One second. Okay. Don't know if this is going to work. But let's try it. Right? This is not quite my size. This is Lee's size, right? If I was asked to go to a wedding dress like this, I would look ridiculous. People would laugh at me because it wasn't made for me. It was made for Lee, okay? If I put Peter's jacket on, it would be too big for me because it's not my size. And this is what Saul, look, look at what Saul says to David. If you read with me quickly. Saul says to David, okay, fine, you can go and you can kill him. And then if you go in verse 
um, end of verse 37. So finally, Saul consented. All right, go ahead, he said, and may the Lord be with you. In verse 38, Saul gave David his own armor, a bronze helmet and a coat of mail. David put it on. He strapped the sword over it and he took a step or two to see what it was like. For he had never worn such a thing before. I can't go in these, he protested. I'm not used to them. You cannot go in another man's armor or use weapons you are not trained in. David said, I'm not used to these things. I'm not skilled or trained in them. They'll only hinder my ability to perform. David had never used a sword before. He was skilled with the sling. He was skilled with the staff, but not with the sword. You and I, we need to be skilled with, with, in the weapons prepared for us. And we need to use them. Isaiah 54 verse 17 says, No weapon formed against you will prosper. And any tongue that rises against you in judgment, you have the right to condemn it. This is the heritage of the righteous. But what happens? Because we don't know what our heritage is, because we don't know what our rights are, somebody comes and says something, and we're all discouraged. We give up. No, they, 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 they discouraged me. They said I'm hopeless. They said I can't do it. You have a heritage. You have a right, the Bible says. No weapon formed against you will prosper. Turn with me quickly to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, reading from verse 10. A final word. Be strong with the Lord's mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies and tricks of the devil. For we are not fighting against people that are made of flesh and blood, but against evil rulers and authorities of this unseen world, against those mighty powers of darkness who rule this world, and against wicked spirits in the heavenly realms. Verse 13 says, Use every piece of God's armor to resist the enemy in the time of evil, so that after the battle you will, be, you will still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the sturdy belt of truth, the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In every battle, you will need faith as your shield to stop the fiery arrows aimed at you by Satan. Put on, the salvation, put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray at all times and on every occasion in the power of the Holy Spirit. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all Christians everywhere. What does the Bible say? It says you need to be ready. You need to put on the armor. But look what it says. It's, it's quite interesting. It says put on the belt of truth. It says put on the shoes. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Put on the helmet of salvation. And then it says you're going to need the shield of faith. And it says take the sword of the spirit, the word. You see, the sword and, the, and, and the, the shield of faith, the rest are defensive. They, they just protect you. But the shield and the sword, they're offensive. It's when you're rushing out to battle, you need the shield of faith. You need the sword of the Spirit. The Bible says, or the, these two, they work together. The, sorry, the Bible doesn't say that. 
The Bible says you need the shield of faith and take the sword of the Spirit. But the two of these, the shield of faith and the, and the, and the word or the sword of the Spirit, they work together. Because you see, when the enemy comes and he says to you, you can't do it, what do you do? You put up the shield and then you say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me with the word. And when the enemy comes and says, wow, look how big your problem is. You put up your shield and you say, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And as you begin to speak the word, the Bible says you defend the fiery arrows of the, of the, the darts of the enemy with your shield. But as you begin to speak the word, your faith begins to grow. Because the Bible says, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. As you speak the word, your faith grows. And as the enemy attacks you, you just begin to put up your shield and you say, no, 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 you're not getting through because God says I can do all things. You're not getting through because this is what the word has promised me. Look at, look at the armor. Remember what I said when Goliath attacked David? What did David do? As Goliath ran, did David turn away and run away? No. David ran at him. Notice what the, what the Bible says. Put on the belt of truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes, the helmet. What covering does it have for your back? There's no covering for the back. Why? Because we're not supposed to be running away. The back is open because we should be on the offensive. We shouldn't be running away. Somebody once said, I've got the devil running. I am running and he's chasing after me. That's not the way it's supposed to be. We should be going forward in battle because the armor that we have only protects the front. We shouldn't be turning our back on the enemy and running. We should be vigilant as the scripture says. We should be going forward. My last point. The first point that I said is know your enemy. You have an enemy. More importantly than that, know your God. Know his promises. Know what he is capable of. Look at verse 40 of First um, Samuel chapter 17. As Goliath walked towards David with his shield bearing ahead of him, sneering in contempt at this ruddy boy. Am I a dog? He roared at David that you come to me with the stick and, and he cursed David by the names of his gods. Come over here and I'll give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals, Goliath yelled. David shouted in reply, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today, notice David, David doesn't say today I will conquer you. He says today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head, and I will give your bodies, the bodies of your dead men to the birds and to the wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel and everyone who will know that the Lord does not need weapons to rescue his people. It is, the battle is not ours, but is the Lord's and the Lord will give you to us. And as Goliath moved closer, David quickly ran out to meet him. Reaching into his shepherd's bag, taking out the stone, he hurled it from his sling, hit the Philistine on the forehead. Um, the stone sank in, Goliath fell, David cut off his head and David got the victory. You and I are not in this battle alone. Jesus said, the things that you do, the things that I do, you shall do also. And greater things than these shall you do in my name. 
Philippians 2, 9 says that God has given him a name that is above every other name, that at the sound of that name, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You and I have the authority to use that name, but we don't. Know your God. Know his promises and what he's capable of. Look at Ephesians quickly. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 19 says, I pray that you will begin to understand the incredible greatness of his power for us who have believed in him. Who's that? That's you and me. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now, speaking about Jesus, he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else in this world or in the world to come. And God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has given him this authority for the benefit of the church. Who is the church? Who is the church? We are the church. So why has God given him this authority? What does the scripture say? He's given him this authority for you and me. He's given him this authority for the benefit of the church. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 7, your enemy is like a roaring lion. Do you know who your God is? Your God is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's not like a roaring lion. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Who is he? He is Jehovah Jireh. He is your provider. He is Jehovah Rapha. He is your healer. He is Jehovah Nissi. He is your victory. It's something to get excited about. Jehovah Nissi is your victory. He is Jehovah Rohi. He is your shepherd. He leads you and he guides you. He is Jehovah Shalom. He is your peace. He is Jehovah Sitkanu. He is your righteousness. That's who your God is. Stop telling your God how big your problem is. Stop telling your problem how big your God is. For the Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. The Bible says, in the world you will have tribulations, but be of good courage, for I have overcome the world. Say this with me, my God. Say it like you mean it. My God. Come on. My God is able to do. My God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above. He's able to do what? Exceedingly, all that I can ask or even begin to imagine. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you can ask or even begin to imagine. How far can you stretch your imagination? This is the God that we serve. This is who your God is. Get to know him. Get to understand him. He's able to change your situation. You don't have to fight it alone. You don't have to go into the battle and when you see the enemy begin to run like the children of Israel, you can stand like David and say, I come in the name of Jesus. Because my God 
Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. There's nothing that you can do that can harm me. I'm equipped and I'm ready for battle. We're going to close in prayer now. And so as you bow your heads, I'm going to ask the team to come back this morning and just to play that song, Majesty, Majesty. Your grace has found me just as I am. Because that's who our God is. He is majestic. And as we bow our heads this morning, I want to give you an opportunity. If you don't know God this morning, if you don't know Him as your Savior, if you don't know Him as your Lord, if you don't know Him as your King, this morning, if you don't know Him as your as Jehovah Jireh, your provider, if you don't know Him as Jehovah Rapha, your healer, if you don't know Him as Jehovah Nissi, your victory, and I want to give you an opportunity to get to know Him this 